Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles Podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening. Thanks for tuning in. This is Dr. Tracy, and I know it's been a while since I've recorded a podcast. School was getting started and things were kind of busy at work, so exam room rambles got the back burner. My voice is not warmed up this morning. I haven't even drank a full cup of coffee, but I desperately wanted to get this podcast recorded before the rest of the house is up and moving. The date, I don't know the date. It is Labor Day 2020, so the day that we're not supposed to be working, (laughs) we're supposed to be taking this day off to relax and rest. And I am actually at the lake. We have not done any lake stuff because it has been windy and white caps on the lake and actually a little chilly. I think the high today is in the 50s. So um, I'm going to do some work. But today's going to be a little different podcast than what I've normally done. I'm going to call this a point of view podcast. Yeah, I didn't come up with that myself. It's actually off TikTok. The POVs on TikTok, they're like little mini stories. This isn't even a little little mini story. And I don't know why TikTok calls them point of views, but I like that term and I'm taking it. So my point of view today is going to be on emergencies. And I don't mean like what you need to put in your first aid kit and how to do CPR on your dog. It's going to be about planning for emergencies because people don't. So there are parts of this podcast that really aren't going to apply to you as a Marshall Animal Clinic client. Why? Because we are there for you. There are four of us doctors that work together to take emergency on-call work. So it doesn't matter if it's Christmas Day or if it is noon on Easter Sunday or any other major holiday. One of us is always carrying the phone and available to you for emergencies, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if there is a situation where we're all gone, like actually one of our staff members got married and so we were all at that wedding, we made sure to have another local vet clinic cover our call. We asked them, hey, we're all going to be doing this thing together. Can you cover our emergency work? So shout out to Dr. Marie down at Tracy Vet Clinic. Thank you, Marie. She actually used to be part of our team and we still keep a close relationship with her. So the things I'm going to cover in this podcast are going to be like when you're traveling with your pet and do you have access to the information that you need, like your pet's records when you're traveling? Is your vet available for emergencies and how to find out? And I'm going to encourage you to ask the protocol ahead of time so that you're prepared. I'm going to talk briefly about the veterinary client relationship. And then I'm going to talk about money because emergencies cost money and they're usually not cheap things. When your cat eats string and has a linear foreign body, it's not a cheap surgery. It's not like getting a rabies vaccine. So I'm going to briefly give my advice on how to prepare for emergencies financially. So I'd like to talk about a term that you maybe haven't heard before, but it's actually the law in most states. It is called the veterinary client patient relationship, the VCPR. And if you have food or fiber producing animals like cattle or hogs, you're probably aware of this because you have to have a current veterinary client patient relationship to get prescription medications for your cows. 
or to get a feed directive. But I'm not going to go into that right now. Basically, this veterinary client relationship means that you have established a relationship with a veterinarian. You have agreed to follow their instructions and they have agreed to be there for you, both physically and like over the phone if something goes wrong. If you want to Google that, Google it for your state, go for it. But in this veterinary client-patient relationship, it says that the vet is readily available or has arrangements for emergency and continued care and treatment. So how do you establish a veterinary client relationship? This is simple. You call your vet, you make an appointment, and you go in for that annual exam. The first time you come into our clinic and we agree to see your pet, we've established a relationship. Now, that relationship can be terminated by either party, so keep that in mind, too. You've got to be nice to your vets. you got to pay your bill, and then we'll be there for you. So if you have a veterinary client-patient relationship, your vet is agreeing to be available for you for aftercare and emergencies. But are they? I've already explained to you that we are at Marshall Animal Clinic, but I know that I have listeners all over. I even have a listener in France. I think that is so cool. If you're the one person in France listening to me, thank you. So ask your veterinarian. When you're there for your rabies vaccination and your heartworm test, ask them. Say, hey, what do I do if I have an after-hours emergency? What number do I call? And they'll explain it to you. And feel free to ask them, like, is it okay if I call you on Christmas Day? And hopefully they'll say, yes, I am available. And if I'm not... I will give you a second number to call for a veterinarian that is that I have talked to and they've agreed to help me out. There are these things called relief veterinarians and they are veterinarians that don't work for one specific clinic. They fill in for vets when they go on vacation, maternity leave, and things like that. So that's the responsible thing for a veterinary clinic to do is to hire a relief veterinarian. If you live in a town with multiple veterinarians, there may be a doctor rotation schedule So just understand on an emergency, you may not see your regular doctor, but the doctor that is covering emergencies has made prior arrangements with a different vet, and you will still get the records transferred back to your regular doctor. A third thing is an emergency clinic. Most larger towns have an emergency clinic. We do not have an emergency clinic in Marshall, Minnesota. There's just a handful of us vets. We have one about two and a half hours away in the Twin Cities. We have one about two hours away in St. Cloud, and we have one about two hours away in Sioux Falls. So two hours is not out of line to drive for an emergency, but if it's a life or death emergency like a GDV, you got to do something closer to home. So be sure to ask the questions. Be sure to ask your veterinarian that if they are going to be gone on the weekends, (laughs) kind of like me, I'm at the lake, I'm not at home or at the clinic. Ask them, say, hey, when you're not at your clinic, are you still available to me? Are you still able to see my dog if it's been hit by a car? If they are not, you need to decide how much you want to stay with that veterinarian or if you need to have a relationship with another veterinarian. And guess what? You can have a veterinary client-patient relationship with more than one vet. In fact, we have some clients that come to us from quite a ways away. Maybe we did something specific and they have some loyalty to us, but they live an hour, hour and a half away. We still encourage them, hey, you need to establish a relationship too with someone a little closer to home. Veterinarians, though we are businesses and we are in competition with each other, 
everyone got into this business to help animals. And we are going to want what's best for your pet no matter what. And it is okay to have many veterinarians on your team. Just be open about it and help foster that communication. Which brings me to the next part I would like to talk about is your records. You deserve to have access for your records and you should be able to get them at any time. The doctors at Marshall Animal Clinic spend a ton of time writing records. It's super important to us. You can call and get those records emailed to you, faxed to you. You can come in and pick them up. Most clinics are going to give you your records or transfer them to another clinic if you want them. If you're traveling with your pet, especially if you're going like south for the winter, like so many folks do here in Minnesota, you're definitely going to want to have those records with you when you are states away. Now, some clinics, including ourselves, we have a pet site, which is kind of like online banking for dogs. Now, usually it's somewhat limited access. You get all the medications your pet is on, the vaccines, the diagnostic codes, but you don't necessarily get the written notes. Some clinics may offer that. Some clinics actually email you a copy of that day's visit after the visit. Um, We don't do that, but you can request that. So after this podcast, you need to go to your veterinary clinic's website. Ours is marshallanimalclinic.com. Cruise around that website. Find some kind of login. Ours is called the Pet Site Login. And click on that and Do you remember? Do you have a username and password? If not, set it up. Log in. See what you can access. If your dog is going to a boarding kennel, like last minute, and you need your records on Friday night at 10 o'clock to show that your dog is vaccinated, you don't have to call the clinic. You can actually access those online. So a lot of people don't realize this. And this is 2020. Like almost every clinic is going to have this. If they don't, that's another thing you're going to want to look at. Like, is this really the the right vet clinic for me? But please go to your clinic's website and look for that stuff. The reason you want it is if you are traveling with your pet and you did not plan on emergencies because no one does, and your pet ends up in an emergency clinic, they're going to want to know what medications your pet is on or have been on, they're going to want to know if there's a prior health condition or any kind of diagnosis that was made in the last year or two. For example, if your dog had a bout of autoimmune hemolytic anemia three years ago, you're off all meds right now, but your dog is into the clinic for lethargy and pale gums. Boy, they would sure like to know what medications your pet was on. If it were during the day, you'd see your regular vet and they'd know that. But an emergency clinic in Memphis, Tennessee isn't going to know that. So please make sure you know you have access to your records at all times. Bring them with you or be able to log into the pet site to get them. So when you are traveling, I think you should plan ahead. I think you should know what clinic is close by. I think you should check with them, actually call them and see if they're going to take new patients on emergencies. That used to not be a big deal, but in the time of COVID, and we are still in COVID, it is 2020, if you're listening to this like five years later, things are different. For whatever reason, vet clinics across the United States are overwhelmed and understaffed. And it's not just here, but several clinics are no longer taking new patients. And several clinics, because they are exhausted and overwhelmed during the day, are only seeing emergencies for their own patients only the ones they have that veterinary client-patient relationship with. 
So you can't just expect that the small town vet clinic in your sister's town in the middle of North Dakota, that their vet's going to see your pet. But if you call ahead and say, hey, I'm going to be visiting to the area if I have an emergency over the weekend. Do you guys have a vet on call to see my dog? And if they say no, maybe you want to leave Fido at home. If they say yes, say, great, thanks. I'm just planning ahead. You've got to remember that veterinary clinics are not any kind of state-funded, government-funded, subsidized entity. They're private businesses with individuals working varying schedules, and there's not always someone to back them up. They have the right to choose how many patients they have and when they see them. And of course, if you have a relationship with them, they are obligated by law and by ethics to see you. But if you are not a patient, they don't have to. They set their own hours. Keep that in mind. Call ahead. At Marshall Animal Clinic, we do see patients that are not our client that do not have that established veterinary patient relationship, but a lot of vet clinics don't. When you do have an emergency, whether you're going to an emergency clinic or your local clinic, expect to pay an emergency fee. Now, one of the reasons you pay that emergency fee is because someone is going above and beyond. They're driving into the clinic, they're leaving their family at supper time that present opening on Christmas morning, and they're coming in. If they have to pay staff to come in above and beyond their 40 hours, that has to be covered also. For the actual emergency rooms, the emergency clinics, they are often staffed with special equipment, and they're usually staffed 24 hours a day. So they have an extremely high overhead, and they have to pay for that that equipment. Most emergency fees are going to be roughly $100 plus the examination fee, the diagnostics, and the treatment. And that's another question that you shouldn't be afraid to ask, whether you're visiting someplace and just planning ahead or whether you're just having the conversation what to do in the event of emergency at your annual exam. Ask how much it's going to cost. Some of these real life-threatening emergencies get expensive. Now, prices vary quite a bit depending on if you are in the city or out in the boondocks like us, but some of the more expensive emergencies that we see are foreign bodies. Your dog has eaten that leather glove and it's stuck in its stomach. Splenectomies, where your older dog has something like a hemangiosarcoma or they're bleeding internally because of a ruptured spleen. GDVs. I did a podcast on those a couple episodes ago. The plugged cat. Like, what's plugged? (laughs) Their urethra is plugged. They can't pee. Um, That is a really common emergency that we see. Or just your run-of-the-mill vomiting and diarrhea that it could be a foreign body, but you don't know for sure. Those first four emergencies that I talked about are usually $1,000 to $2,000. Yeah. And not everybody has that kind of pocket change and can just write out a check. In this day and age, vet clinics require payment at time of services. I don't know a single vet clinic that's going to set up a payment plan with you if you don't have that money. And the reason is most vet clinics have been burned in the past and haven't received full payment. Medications cost money. Equipment costs money. Keeping the lights on and paying bills costs money. So, um... We have to charge for our our services. You can also expect at an emergency clinic or 
on emergency, that they'll want you to put some money down prior to that treatment. For example, if they're taking your dog to surgery for a splenectomy and it's a high-risk surgery and your pet could die on the table, unfortunately, you still got to pay for that surgery. So a lot of places would like a credit card number down or half of the estimate down. So you can expect that. Again, please ask questions. It's totally okay to ask your veterinarian. Now, at the Marshall Animal Clinic, we offer care credit and scratch pay. Those are both third-party finance companies. Care credit is wonderful, but if you don't qualify for a credit card, you're not going to qualify for care credit. But basically, it's six months, no interest. And they put a they put a limit on it. Usually, it's $1,500 to $2,000, depending on what your estimate is. And it gives you six months to pay that off. Now, if you don't pay it off in six months, you're going to pay a crazy high interest rate. But a lot of people really like care credit. It also works at most dentists, chiropractors, and other medical type clinics. We also use one called Scratch Pay. And um, more people qualify for Scratch Pay if they don't qualify for care credit. If you have a pet, you've got to have a plan financially to cover their care. I guess I should mention there is also pet insurance. We don't put push pet insurance on our clients very often, but we have a handful of clients that over the years have seeked it out themselves and purchased it, and not a single one of those people have regretted that decision. That pet insurance at some point in that pet's life, often towards the end of its life, in its golden years, has absolutely paid for itself completely. They got 100% of the investment back and then some. The thing about pet insurance is the people that have the extra money to pay pet insurance up front before they need it are often the ones that have the financial means to pay for emergencies, even if they didn't. It's still something that I would totally consider. I'm just not the right person to give you advice on it. What I can give you advice on and what I'm super good at is stashing away money, cash, usually for emergencies, that emergency fund, or saving up for something that you want to buy. And I do think it is important that every single pet owner, especially those that do not have a full bank account, have some kind of envelope, mason jar, tin can that they stash money in. And I think you should probably shoot to have $1,000 in that fund. Maybe you want to start the fund right away when they're a puppy and you put five bucks every month in that can. Five bucks is not too much to save. It is very reasonable. And even someone on an extremely limited budget can save five bucks a month in the lifetime of that pet so that they can pay for emergencies when they arrive. We call that the pet health savings account and everyone needs to have one. The last thing I want to touch on that relates to emergencies, and again, (laughs) I'm probably preaching to the choir here, and some of this maybe doesn't apply to you, but maybe you have that friend who's a Karen who um, always complains or, or gets a little nasty with her bank teller or her Walmart checkout person, and maybe her receptionist at the vet clinic and does a little complaining. Man, don't don't do that. That's not going to get you anywhere if your pet has an emergency or is sick or hurting. Sugar will always get you further than spice. Unfortunately, we see something in veterinary medicine called emotional blackmail. And please don't do it. And if you know someone that is doing it, 
confront them. Emotional blackmail is when when someone doesn't have enough money to pay for services or a vet clinic does not have time to see their pet or they are not a client and they have an emergency and the vet says, I'm sorry, we're, we're booked today with our, our patients. And that person says, well, you must not care about my pet or you would do this for free or you would see my pet if you loved animals, if they don't have money. And that is just heartbreaking to veterinarians because we can't be everywhere and do everything. There's only so many hours in the day. So please don't burn bridges with any vet clinic. If you're super frustrated or super mad or you felt that you didn't get the service you deserved, you just need to ask to talk to that veterinarian or that practice manager in private. Don't go blasting something on social media. Don't go blasting things to all your friends. If you burn a bridge with them and you need them down the road, I can't tell you how many times that we have had people over the years that either didn't pay their bill or were really nasty to the receptionists and the people answering the phones, or made demands that were unrealistic and made a scene and stomped out of there and they were never coming back. But then they needed us down the road. Maybe it was two or three years later. But you can't do that to people. You know, you you have to try to work things out. You have to try to be nice and kind. And definitely you just don't want to burn any bridges. So it's definitely okay to talk to your vet or your practice manager if you're not happy with the services or you you were treated unfairly or you think a mistake was made that cost the life of your pet. Just talk openly. Don't don't get weird on Facebook. Don't leave nasty Google reviews. It is not going to get you anywhere. So I hope this wasn't a rant or like a complaining session, but these are things that I think are really important that you need to know. And it doesn't necessarily apply to our local little vet clinic. This applies to your vet clinic anywhere, even France, maybe. Thank you for putting up with my early morning voice and the fact that I haven't drank much coffee yet. Though, in case you can tell by the way I'm talking now, I've actually paused it and had like three cups of coffee in the last half hour. So I'm totally way more awake. You know where to find us? www.marshallanimalclinic.com or our phone number, 507-537-1537. And of course, you can always email me if you have questions, concerns that are not pet-specific or topics that you want me to cover on this podcast at examroomrambles at gmail.com. Thank you so much. 